It's time to stop dealing and start demanding. It's time to stop being PC and start being transparent and authentic. It's time to get real. Prepare yourself. It's time for Crazy and the King. Welcome to Crazy and the King. So how are you back from a bunch of days in like Europe? I don't <laughs> even know where you were. I just know you were gallivanting around the European countryside and I was tweeting and, and, and tagging you on tweets. And I'm like, I shouldn't be I shouldn't be tagging her because she's supposed to be relaxing. But I'm like, hey, you got to see this. Like There's a lot of stuff. Like, I needed you to see that while we weren't falling off of the eastern coast, some shit was happening, and I needed you to see that. So, anyway. And I appreciate that. And I'm yes. a gallivanter. Uh, just got back from from nine days in Sweden and Denmark, and it was freaking awesome. And I'm pumped up and ready to knock out third quarter. Or, no, fourth, fourth, fourth. quarter. Yeah. Ready to knock yeah, out yeah. fourth quarter. Absolutely. So, I know we have uh, a bit to talk about today, but before we get into it, uh, of course, I want to just make sure that we acknowledge the fact that there are a number of individuals that are in the way of the storm. Uh, personally, I have family. Uh, a great deal of my family is on, on the Bahama Islands, if you will. Oh, my God. Uh, and then uh, a, a larger portion of my family is in southern Florida and Florida. So we, you know, we're on... I don't want to say pins and needles, but we most certainly are paying respect to what might be happening. Uh, the casualties that are being experienced, you know, right now, as of this recording, they say that, you know, five or or less than 10 people have lost their life. But I listened uh, this morning to uh, a congresswoman and she talked about the folks that actually lived in the element like they were living in tents on the the uh, ocean. And so those individuals, there's really no census count for them because, you know, when the storm came in, it just simply swept them out to to sea. And and so we don't even you, we have no idea what the count is going to be. So I don't s- share it because I want it to be a dismal podcast. It's reality. It's it's a part of what we got to, d- d- to deal with. And and I want us to. Yeah. To think about in our organizations, what can we do differently? And and so part of diversity and inclusion is difference. And so while we may be accustomed to donating to some of the usual suspects, how can we be different? How can we be like uh, the good guys down at um, Red Ventures when they set up Forward 787? You can find them at forward787.com. Uh, after the uh, hurricane in Puerto Rico last year, they set that up and started to do job development and workforce development skills and training for for folks on Puerto Rico. And and so I just want us to think about a those individuals that are in the the line of calamity and and b how can we help them gain some sense of normalcy after the storm passes, Julie. And it, it's easy to be kind of super focused on it right now, and then it sort of dies out so quickly. And I mean, we would. Love- Love to hear what companies are doing, especially if you have workforce and family 
in that impacted area. I know I live in Columbus, Indiana, and Cummins did some amazing things in Puerto Rico last year. First of all, how impactful and how meaningful that is for companies to be engaged when these kind of natural disasters happen. But how good did the people from Cummins feel that they were able to make an impact through their company? And just the pride in that voice of being able to go and help people affected, helping you know workforce get out of Puerto Rico, all of those kind of things is that's the stuff that is like the why I stay at a company forever. Yeah, well, you know, and it's the why that are so many uh, folks, you know, millennials, Generation Z, and even people like myself who are not necessarily in the workforce. But, you know, when we talk about giving props and shout outs to organizations, we want organizations that are willing to stand for something more than just the bottom line. Yeah. We want those B Corp type organizations that have that triple bottom line. They want to do social good. They want to make a social impact. And they, of course, want to make profit. So again, this is not you know necessarily a car, uh, a commercial for Cummins or for Red Ventures, although we respect both of them. We know of several other organizations that have done a great deal in times like this. And we're just simply encouraging you to think about how you can do something big or small. How can you do something? Your $5 goes a long way. We don't need that old raggedy coat that you don't necessarily want to wear, but we want you to take something with some tags on it that you probably <laughs> can't wear, can't fit. You know, you find a way to put something out. Don't always give away what you don't want. Give away some of the things that are special to you, but that are are going to be even more special in this time of need for individuals. So thank you, Julie, for allowing me to put that at the top of our pod. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we kind of start off on a good note of good things companies can do when people are in need, their workforce and otherwise. And, and that kind of leads me to our first story today, which is not that. And it, it's been a while since we covered the the really dumb, uh, I would say, behavior uh, of a company. And what I, I'm referring to is the Wall Street Journal had a story out this week about how companies are offering a new benefit. Any guesses on what that benefit is, Torin? Well, only because I have the privilege of seeing <laughs> our show notes. I'm just going to put it out there and just say payday loans, which is some some malarkey. But go ahead. <laughs> malarkey. Good, good word. You like that I, word? I, I, I am. You, you probably. Let, let me, let, listen, 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 listen. Before you even get into that, <laughs> I know you're smiling like this dude, like I might have to take his black card. <laughs> it is a very Joe Biden word. <laughs> He said malarkey. I might see Julie, you know, and, and listeners out there, you need to know as well. Like if I hit this microphone, like I really, really talk, then we might not even have a podcast like the FCC might really come down on us. So I'm going to just say. Yeah, payday loans is some malarkey. Go ahead. Malarkey. All right, we're we're sticking with the malarkey this week. So, payday loans and and cash advances basically as a benefit. And the Wall Street Journal is writing about this like it is a fantastic thing, right? They say companies meanwhile are responding to data that American workers are financially stressed. So companies like Walmart and others have added or now we're considering adding payday advances and even like longer term loans as a benefit to support struggling employees. And how do they categorize that as a benefit like, you know, health care, dental, education, tuition reimbursement, fitness center? Are they saying putting this this payday loan feature application into the suite is a benefit to the employee? Yes, that, that's what they're saying. The 
sort of justification, I guess, is they recognize that most Americans don't have enough money in savings to cover a $400 like unexpected expense and that that drives a lot of stress and turnover and loss of productivity for them. But it helps their employees to get out of the payday loan cash advance place trap because the fees and interest rates are so high. They're basically replacing that scam, their own scam, right? I mean, I, let, let me be honest. I I think a lot of these things are well-intentioned when they are thought of by someone in comp and benefits, but an employee at Walmart starts at $10 an hour. And after training, they make $11 an hour. And so if they are using this program, right? They're paying for the program. They may be paying interest on a loan and they're advancing advancing their pay. So if you were to, for example, as an $11 an hour employee, take out a, a larger sum like $5,000, you might have an interest rate of 5%, which is, is not bad, but it would take you roughly 478 full hours of work to pay back that loan including the interest and the fees. So yeah, you're not going to leave Walmart because you owe Walmart $5,000. You can't afford for that to be taken out of your bank when you quit your job. It is, it is creating a situation where people are forced to stay. They're not, they're not staying, and I'm, I'm being presumptive here. I'm, I'm putting my own note on it, but they're not necessarily staying because they love that Walmart gave them a loan. There's no way that $11 an hour employee can leave that job and then have that money automatically taken out of their bank account going forward. And so it creates a system of dependence to get to the money that you're you're already earning when you work. Because see, I'm listening to it in, in the sense of, you know, there are a lot of individuals that are unbankable among us. Yes. And and I understand some of the challenges with those people being unbankable and and that some of them are working to address those challenges. Some, you know, really don't care. And then there are some that absolutely don't trust banks and and they prefer to pay the fees through like a payday situation. When I think about what is being done here, uh, when I think about the fact that that it's a it's a service. And so Walmart, I appreciate that inside of the service, one of the, the tenants is that um, they're helping people with budgeting or they have budgeting tools, something around financial management. I absolutely applaud that. And so my thing is, then then why not just pay for it for your people? Why not just pay for? I mean, I think it's like five of the executives or the family members uh, that own Walmart that are in like the top 20 of the richest people in the country. Why not just pay the $6 a month fee for the employees that need it? Why not do that? Why not really make it a benefit is what I'm saying. Well, why not? Why not pay your employees a living wage? $11 an hour is less than $22,000 a year. If you work 40 hours a week, 52 weeks a year. Walmart is the largest employer in the country, other than the federal government, to say that we're going to give you a benefit that is going to help you get out of your financial strain of being able to pay the light bill this week. And we're going to do it by advancing your pay and making you more subjugated to being 
poor and unable to get ahead because here's the other thing, Torn, and I didn't even know this until um, I kind of got deep into the subject, is when you do the, the payday advances, you still get taxed for the whole amount. And so while I might get that- Wait a minute, what does that mean? What does that mean you get taxed for the whole amount? So that means, let's say I earn $11 an hour and so like two, $280 a week and I borrow $100 in advance to try to pay my bills. When I get my paycheck, it's only $180, but I get taxed at $280. So I'm just furthering the hole that I'm digging myself and I'm creating a situation where I'm more and more dependent on getting that next advance and that next advance. People who use payday loans, they generally have subprime credit. They make less than $30,000 a year. And Walmart in particular is saying that they can borrow up to 50% of their pay. And I I thought this was funny that they talked about this 380,000 Walmart employees are frequent users of the payday advance benefit. 380,000. That's crazy. So if we talk about- That's crazy. It is, right? So they're getting taxed. They have to pay it back so they can't leave. They're paying a fee or an interest rate depending on how they do it. And Walmart and or the, the company that they're working with for this benefit are making, let's say, between one and a half and, and $3 million off of the fees. And again, when you say- the the one one and a half million you're talking about three hundred and eighty thousand people that are paying the six dollar a month fee to use the app correct yeah so if if yeah. those people used it twelve months out of the year that'd be like another I think two point three million dollars in fees so money that yeah. they've worked for and now just to be able to live they're paying to get that money in advance. I've worked at companies who, where they will have a paycheck um, system where you have a card instead of a physical paycheck or a, a direct deposit. Those are such scams because they target people of color, especially Hispanics, people with disabilities who are the largest unbanked population in the country. And then they just start feeing them to get access to the money that they've earned. And it is such a, a way of saying, we don't care about the, the socioeconomic impact of our our low wage earners, which are the largest number of employees that that we had at that organization I worked at, but also at Walmart, it, it's just creating more and more disparity. And people of color have a harder time getting credit, have a harder time um, getting positive credit decisions, even based on equal information as their white peers. People with disabilities have a hard time getting banked a lot of times, and, and their employers are just taking more advantage of them and then trying to sell it to, to them as a benefit and to the public is something nice that we're doing. And and that's bullshit. Yeah. You know, and I actually just kind of logged on very quickly. I went to trustpilot.com and I'm looking at some of the reviews of of PayActive. And this person two days ago said, I wish that I could give them a negative one. I'm not even going to read the entire comment. Next one, very poor customer service. Another one, bad experience. Another person said, I wish I could give them a zero. There was an individual who said uh, back on August 11 that in the beginning, the service was a bit unreliable, uh, but that now, you know, things have have began to look up. And so the service is improving below that. Another one says, I want to give them a zero. Worst thing to use ever. Just, I mean, so listen, I I mean, again, 28 is is not nearly a 
representative sample of the more than 300,000 people that are using the service. But questionably, I think it's a fair question as to whether or not the largest or one of the largest employers in the country could do a far better job of providing their employees with a a livable wage, as you say, B, uh, services that don't necessarily further the gap of income inequality, the uh, wealth gap, if you will, but that they could do something to put their employees in a far better position. They can be a better organization. Everyone doesn't have to code. I'm not looking down on the people. You're not looking down on the people that work at Walmart. We're just simply saying we could create an environment where people are happy to be at work, taking care of why while they are doing the work, ultimately taking care of the millions of people that walk through the doors and spend money with Walmart. It really could be a more cohesive situation. This right here, again, I'm only on one site, uh, but when I looked, Julie, there were a number of other sites quickly and the reviews, you know, they're a bit questionable around this service. I think Walmart can do better. You know, this is a DNI podcast. And I think this, not I think, I know this is a DNI issue. As DNI leaders, I don't know that I would have thought about how do I look at our benefits and how they might disparately impact based on race, gender, disability, socioeconomic status when we have a comp structure and a business hierarchy that does have high volume, low wage workforces that are, are such a big part of their workforce, but also such a vulnerable part of their workforce. And and what does this say if we look at the at the the structure or the the demographic makeup of Walmart's workforce, who is using that? And if they're kind of fit into the typical under $30,000 a year, subprime credit, underbanked or unbanked, then that's probably going to be people of color, females and people with disabilities. And I just don't understand or I I don't think people think about that they're creating a cycle of indebtedness for employees who are already struggling. And does that really fix anything or does it just further, it furthers their struggle? And it doesn't create benefit structures. It creates the inability to leave the employer. Yeah, I'm just smiling right now. You know, A, I didn't know this was here. Like you said, I do know of other organizations that offer a service similar to this, whether you are uh, benefiting from, you know, funds like what is it? SSI payments, Social Security payments, Medicare, SNAP type payments. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm actually on PayActive's website and I'm just I'm smiling at, you know, their user review and stories and the stock photos that they have. Like, this is absolute garbage right here. Um, I know that these images are not real people. And and if you uh, know someone with PayActive, uh, whether you know their CEO or anyone from their leadership team, listen, if I'm wrong, point them to me and I will be one of the first to come back on the pod and apologize. Again, not saying that they're not offering a good service. I think that Walmart can do better. I think if we're listening to the uh, reviews that we read, the organization can do better and they most certainly can put up. So, I mean, you got real pictures of executives. You got real pictures of board uh, and advisors put up some real pictures of real, you know, employees at organizations that are using this. Uh, if, in fact, the service is that good. That's my. Uh, well, and just even looking at the platform a little bit more, it's like they're they're really pushing this as like the social good. And I mean, if you're buying into that, like yeah. you're being willfully ignorant. And I'm sorry, you are that this is good for your employees. Yeah, maybe they can avoid another predatory lending practice outside of you, 
their employer. But does that mean that the appropriate thing is for you to create yourself as a predatory lender for your low wage employees? Let me uh, let me chat a bit about something that I used to experience. I'm a bit older than you are, Julie. So you may not remember uh, the days. Let me ask you, when you were coming through, uh, you know, your for- your initial years in corporate America, did you ever go to a job fair in a hotel where the interview actually took place in a hotel room? Not a lobby, uh, not like a conference room, but actually in a hotel room. Have you ever participated? I have not. And I would not have been comfortable with it at the time, but I probably would have felt pressured to do so, even if I was if I was trying to get hired in that industry, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the uh, American Economic Association actually kind of put their foot down. And part of this is a result of the Me Too movement, Time's Up movement. Part of this is because they have a new leader. You may recognize the name Ben Bernanke, uh, you know, from a, a former administration. Uh, and so now he 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 leads the American Economic Association. And, and basically, I remember, Julie, the days of, and, and again, this is not for every job, but I remember going to several job fairs when I was in my 20s, several job fairs where the the job fair was actually in a hotel room. And I believe, you know, I'm just guessing now that I kind of know the industry. Back then, I had no idea. I just right. simply showed up because I'm trying to work. But I believe that part of that reason was is, is from a cost uh, effectiveness perspective position. You know, it's cheaper to spend $89 and get a block of rooms at $89 a piece than to pay several thousand dollars for a six by nine table inside of some of these job fairs that they put together. And so I do recall going to to some of these events. And so what what Ben Bernanke has done is they've really been hard at work. The AEA has been hard at work at trying to to add more diversity, uh, particularly women to the field of economics. And and so now they have a brand new policy going forward in 2020 that no longer uh, will they be able to hold job interviews inside of hotel rooms. And I'm stressing rooms because I don't want people to get it confused with the lobby or renting out the conference facility, but specifically the room. There is a slight modification to it in the sense that if it is a suite where there's like a table um, or a separate area from the bedding area that they might be able to use those. But I suspect that the way that they're cracking down on, you know, this new policy for 2020, the way that they looked at their professional code of conduct last year and recently adopted a brand new policy on harassment and discrimination, I suspect, Julie, that that few individuals are going to risk doing an interview even in a hotel suite. And, and I'm really happy about this because what it's what it suggests to me is that people are beginning to pay attention to to optics. They're beginning to pay attention to reality. They're beginning to pay attention to the sensitivities necessary to 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 interact with a variety of different people. And so I know I got a listener. We have a listener out there who says, well, what's the big deal? Well, it is a big deal. And Harvard uh, PhD student Catherine Holston, who actually was one of the leaders in, in trying to get this practice changed, she says, Julie, quote, even if nothing that's incredibly negative happens during the interview, just having it in that setup can set the stage, particularly for female candidates to be in a position where they might be uncomfortable, particularly if they might be sexual assault survivors. So it's a little crazy. You know, one thing that you mentioned when 
we were talking or when you were kind of introducing the story is you went to these interviews and you never thought twice about it. And I think that is such an important point of emphasis for men because you've never, and and I'm making a, a broad generalization, but you've never walked into a room fearful that you might be sexually assaulted or put in a position of compromise sexually or or through innuendo by a man who might give you a job. I think that's the thing that men are still kind of figuring out is that women walk through life thinking about every where we go, everything that we do, right? So if I go for a jog in the morning, is it safe for me to go for a jog where I'm I'm at, especially if I'm traveling? Um, can I wear my headphones? because I need to hear if anyone is around me. I was at the pool the other day and I had the pool all to myself and someone came in to to join me um, in another lane and I was started to worry about, you know, being alone in, in, a, in the pool with a, a man because you just don't know as a woman. And men kind of think that, you know, well, maybe you're overreacting or you're, you know, maybe you would accuse me of something I haven't done, that kind of thing. And that's where their thought processes are. But ours are like, hey, am I physically safe? And that's how we need men to understand how women go through their life being physically less dominant and also not equally in in the power structure. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And again, I just want to reinforce, you know, for those that that say, well, well, what's the big deal uh, earlier this year, March, to be exact, uh, the American Economic Association actually dropped a survey uh, and they put a survey out, Julie, uh, that it was voluntary and more than nine thousand people uh, responded to the survey. And really what they found was that there's widespread inappropriate activity happening or, or questionable activity happening. Uh, you know, one of the revelations in the survey was that there's a disturbingly high level of gender bias in the field. This is in part why Bernanke and others are making some of these modifications, chasing some of this change that should be present uh, with nearly half of the women that responded say that they've experienced some level of discrimination. More than two thirds of the women that responded say that their work is not taken as seriously as the work of their male counterparts, that many of them report being sexually harassed, as you just alluded to, uh, assaulted or inappropriately touched by male colleagues. So we know that it's a problem. And last but not least, we won't even get into the racial bias that was captured in the survey. So while a lot of organizations are focused um, in terms of their diversity efforts on women, we cannot ignore the fact that still there's that racial component, there's that poverty, that uh, economic component, there's that academic achievement component, geographic component. I stress all the time that diversity and inclusion is not just race and gender. It's a variety of, but that it manifests in race and gender, but it, it, it plays out uh, in so many different ways in our life. So I'm I'm appreciative that the association is taking steps to provide a better, uh, more conducive workplace for men, women alike. I appreciate that. Kudos. Hopefully uh, other orgs will will learn from them. Um, So name drops for this week. Are you ready? All right. So mine is to 
Chris Foss, um, who is our managing director at Disability Solutions. Um, she has decided that she is going to move on to uh, new adventures this week. And I just want to thank her for not only being um, the, the best mentor for the last seven years that I could ask for as I grow in my leadership, but also being a, a wonderful friend and an amazing leader for our team. And uh, we wish her the best of luck, but she's definitely my name dropped this week. She's going to be sorely missed at, at Disability Solutions. So, Chris, I don't know if you uh, will catch a listen to this. I'm hoping that someone will place it inside of your podcast diet over the next couple of weeks. But I hope that you pop a bottle and pour a glass of champagne for me and for Julie, because I appreciate who you've produced in Julie. Like she wouldn't share that <laughs> if it wasn't true. She means that, you know, for you, for her to say one of the best bosses and incredible mentor, it means a lot. And it means that's the person that I get to pod with. Like, I love the fact that I get to pod with her. So shout out to you, Chris Foss. My name drops uh, two of them, Julie. Uh, one's in Indiana, Michael Malati for consistently showing up. And showing yep. support for Crazy and the King. He is all over Twitter and continues to share, 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 share that we are we are out here having real time discussions around diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging. And I appreciate you, good brother, uh, for being there. And then my other shout out, uh, Julie, is to Mr. Shane Gray. Let me tell you why this is special. Shane is over in Ireland doing his thing. Runs a company called Clinch. If you're not familiar with it, take a look, get familiar. But I'm giving him a shout out this week because he is digging into the 1619 project, a project that you and I talked about a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And the exchanges that he and I have had um, have just been um, authentic. They've been emotional. They've been revealing. And, and I like that he opened himself up to to being curious enough to find out what is the what is the significance of 1619. So thank you, Shane, for getting in with your man and for um, submitting yourself to a learning process that you had never submitted yourself to before. We appreciate you. Yes. Love it. Love it. Love it. So for the next gosh, couple of weeks, uh, we're really ramping up fall, I can tell. Um, I'll be at TA Tech in Austin. We are also ramping up an event with smart recruiters in October that I will be sharing more about. And I'm so excited. And, and also you and I are getting ready for our Indeem shows. Um, Are we? Well, I think we are. I think we are, too. Or, or we'll, we'll start soon. How about that? We'll start soon. Absolutely. 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 <laughs> All right, cool. So uh, real quick, before we go and get out of here, uh, I just want to let people know that next week I'll be in Boston. You already know when I show up, we do that microphone check and then it's on and popping. And so we are going to be at the Talent Success Conference. If you are in the Boston area within two, three hours of driving distance, get you a ticket, talentsuccess.com. Come up and say hello. Let me get you a picture in real life. I love doing that. Talentsuccess.com. And I close with reminding each and every one of you to remember to share the pod. Um, you can find us all across uh, the uh, pod listening platforms. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you leave a comment. Uh, make sure you find your voice inside of the workplace. It's extremely important. And we're not talking just DNI. Julie and I say find your voice. 
There's a way for you to engage with leadership and others around you so that we can make our workplaces better. Make sure you find your voice. And last but not least, catch me on Sirius XM channel 126 this Sunday afternoon at 1 p.m. Eastern. I'm there each and every Sunday. Thanks for listening to Crazy in the King podcast. I'm Julie Sowash, your co-host with Torn Ellis. Follow us on social media as Torn Ellis or Julie Sowash. And also follow our hashtag, Crazy and the King. This episode was produced by my gorgeous husband, Chad Sowash. And our music is by DJ Sells, straight out of Baltimore. You can find Crazy and the King wherever you find your podcasts. Please rate us. And if you like it, share it with a friend. We'll see you soon. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.